This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by Wealthdesk, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, your hosts, Drew Dawkins and Grant Collins, will have an in-depth conversation about what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. We are recording at the end of April 28th. It's Tuesday. Uh, markets try to do something today, but uh, not much happened. Didn't really break out. Dow was down 32.23 points or 0.13%, and in the day at 24,101, S&P was down about 15 points or 0.52%, and in the day at 28,063, the VIX was up a little bit, 0.84%, end of the day at 33.57. Oil, which has been fluctuating violently over the last week or so, was a little bit muted, was up 4.21%. Um, so, yeah, not not a lot's happened. We've had a few solid days. Today was slightly negative. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of things in t- to make of it. You know, the Dow futures fell, are falling slightly ahead of, uh, you know, the Fed's decision, uh, you know, as, as they're going to give us some more guidance on the future path of interest rates. And, 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 and we're going to look at what the economy looks like and reopening in some states. Um, Grant, what's the backdrop for the market right now? I know some states are reopening. Uh, let, let's talk about that and what phase one looks like in some places. Well, I think it really, the market's really signaling towards uh, they're continuing to track cases and then continuing to track the availability of, of tests and a vaccine. I think we said this the last couple of weeks. Uh, and then also the really, the market's looking at Q1 as, as companies come out with earnings. Uh, to, to see if uh, companies have been beating expectations, even though they're, they're pretty glim. We, we saw Alphabet jump by 7% today as, as they looked at uh, their, their first quarter. Then we also saw you know, Ford actually dropped by 5% because they said that they were going to take about $2 billion of, of, in losses for the first quarter. Uh, in terms of states opening, we, we see here in Montana that we have officially are in uh, phase one where some retail stores are are allowed to open, uh, as well as uh, restaurants, as long as they meet certain restrictions. Uh, I've also seen that Gavin uh, Newsom of California has now come out with his, I think, four or five uh, step phase, but not starting until mid-May. Texas signaled, and it's the biggest state that has signaled that uh, by the end of the week, they are gonna enter in a phase one of of coming back. Uh, I I think the big question is, is, are we going to see a spike in cases as we begin to, to reopen and, and then how fast do we reopen? Uh, you know, we, we have seen cases continue to increase, uh, but, but overall it's going to be, you know, I think governors are, are going to look towards uh, the federal government in terms of how the, the best way to open is and, and then also uh, how fast it, it's going to open. But overall, I think the economy is, is still looking at, at testing and the number of cases. Yeah, I saw Texas was fairly limited. I think it was 25% capacity so far. Uh, I mean, that might have just been some of the initial reporting. I, I don't know what it's actually looking like right now, but but that's that's one of them. So all states are going to be, it seems like there's going to be like percentages on capacity and distancing between tables and, and, and clientele and everything else. And then phase two, that will get, less and then fees three that will get less and then it will be uh, then it will be business as normal with the exception of 
they'll have a lot of the same precautionary things, right? Like wiping down tables before and after and, and masks will be either required or highly suggested depending on the establishment and the regulation. So we're starting to make moves towards some semblance of normality, which I think is what's kept the markets afloat over the last few days. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you know, today we passed, our fatalities are now larger than the Vietnam War. Um, and we've had, you know, some bad news on the drug front. Um, you know, Gilead, which we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but th those shares fell, um, you know, at least on last Thursday, they dropped 4.3% um, because the, the trial appeared that it was, didn't really have the results they were they were looking for. Yeah, well, the the, the results were actually <laughs> quite interesting. Uh, you know, it, it showed that almost fourteen percent of patients getting the drug died uh, versus uh, fourteen percent of the patients died. Well, thirteen percent uh, died from from getting standard care. So it it didn't really uh, actually. May have caused <laughs> patients to to not do as well. Yeah, uh, we're seeing that there's a there there's a race for for all the drugs. We're seeing that some malaria drugs are are being tested as well, uh, and and allergy drugs. You know, overall, I I just hope that the vaccine or the drug that helps is uh, does go through some FDA regulation because. Uh, wouldn't want the really harmful side effects that some of these drugs can cause and, and, and be tested and that uh, some of these drugs actually cause more harm than actually uh, the coronavirus itself. So yeah, we saw Gilead take a, take a big drop, uh, but overall I think that there is a lot of uh, effort being put in and, and that Gilead is, will continue to, to, use trials and, and, and try and come up with, with a, with a uh, vaccine or, or drug for that matter. Gilead's a tough one too, because one of the first main studies, it was conducted on people who were really hardest hit and had already, you know, had significant lung damage. So, you know, at that point, their immune system was, um, was down for the count. So already fighting an uphill yeah, battle. Yeah. So, I mean, it, Obviously, it wasn't great results in terms of mortality, but at, you have to put that in context, too. Um, besides Gilead, there's one of the areas that is really interesting is tech companies because you think they'd be areas that are booming, and they have been, but um, you know, there's a handful that aren't. And of ones that are, they still are having issues hiring. I mean, so job openings nationwide across the industry, you know, they've dropped more than 20% between mid-March and mid-April um, when we're looking at some of the Glassdoor analysis. And, you know, there, there's definitely been companies that have really seen some losses, but even amongst people who have done well, um, you know, they're, they're just not, they're just not getting as many, they're not putting as many applications out there. Um, uh, one of the things is, I mean, you look at some platforms like Pinterest and Yelp, and even if everyone's on the line, so to speak, uh, you know, those platforms are all based on advertising. And we've talked about ad agencies, advertising spending is down substantially. So even if everyone is collectively on the internet all day, every day, um, you know, there's just not nearly the same advertising as there used to be. 
Right, and I think a, a big a big point is that really no industry has been immune to the effects of this outbreak that we're seeing a, a slowdown across all sectors. Uh, but it's interesting because because different tech companies are are responding well. We see Amazon who who is continuing to hire. I mean, they had thirty seven thousand uh, jobs posted, uh, and they're continuing to expand their their supply chain. Uh, but th that's Amazon, who's you know <laughs> always expanding. But uh, but we're we're also seeing the rise of online grocery shopping and uh, Zoom has been do has been uh, expanding. But overall, we we've seen uh, you know some other companies really start to reduce their workforce, and a lot of tech jobs are you know, disproportionately in San Francisco and, and around those big metropolitan cities. And until those cities reopens and, and states reopen, I, I think we're still going to see. Uh, a slowdown in, in tech, especially if San Francisco is still under lockdown. But uh, overall, uh, you know, it, some some tech companies are, are continue to hurt, especially because a lot of tech companies are uh, startups who, who would probably be uh, uh, strapped for cash to begin with. So without uh, th this increase in ads, and, and uh, even though there is an increase in user engagement, there, as you mentioned, a sharp decrease in, in advertising. So. Uh, that's going to really affect most of these companies' bottom lines. Yeah, I mean, the big exception has been PayPal um, because, you know, you're looking at a shift from digital to contactless payments. Uh, PayPal doubled their number of postings between um, January 1st and, and April 15th. But then when we're looking at other companies like Analog, Intel, Micron, Dell Technologies, they all cut postings between uh, 30 and 60% over what they were doing last year. So... So yeah, there's some winners, a lot of losers, but um, tech is tech is one of the more interesting ones because it's a virtual world. So it's one of those where you think would be safeguarded a little bit. Um, I also thought it was interesting how uh, how Grubhub actually reduced theirs. I would be thinking a lot of people would be would be ordering food uh, online, but it, they reduced theirs as well. So I think you're you're right. It's inter it's an interesting sector on on how we're seeing some really really hit their strides as you mentioned like zoom and, and cloud computing but um others that's more based on the face-to-face -face has, has still been affected oh yeah i'm at a first name basis with all my uber east people now so it's uh <laughs> <laughs> went from uh deleting the app to save money to you know going going full ham um recently <laughs> but yeah i mean it's and jobless claims, you know, over the last several weeks, uh, I mean, there's only so much we can say about jobless claims, but, you know, the expectations for April's unemployment are going to be, you know, in the 10 to 15% range, at least, you know, as of last week, we'll see what Thursday's numbers uh, might give us a little bit more picture. But, um, you know, as of last week, when we're looking at that five-week period, uh, you know, they have told, you know, 26 million people, um, you know, and there was an additional 4.4 million applied for unemployment insurance. So, you know, functionally, that's the, that's the highest unemployment in about 87 years. Right, and it's just incredible because uh, the economy was near full full employment just about what two months ago, and now it's being compared with uh, with the Great Depression in terms of unemployment rate. I, I think we'll probably see the unemployment rate jump to about 15% personally. Uh, that said, I, I, I do think that 
this is a little bit different than uh, typical recessions. And as we see the economy and, and different states open up, I think that that rate will come down a lot faster than other historical recessions because uh, this is, it, it's not the same basis as, as others. And I think that when we reopen, we'll see that, that unemployment rate drop faster than historically. Yeah, a lot of it's temporary. Um, there's going to be, I think there's something like maybe 100,000 retail outlets will be permanently shut at the end of this. And that's getting into things that have been existing as a zombie state for a while. You know, whether that's you're talking about bookstores and then um, you're running the mill like AMC movie theaters where it's not much of an experience. I mean, people haven't really been doing a lot of that stuff for quite some time. So, you know, this might be the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back in a lot of things. So it was just more of a, they needed the push in terms of, you know, a full closure. But yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, there, there will be, I think, more of a significant bounce back when we're looking at a lot of these sectors than there are in uh, recessions that, you know, aren't based on a pandemic. Yeah, and and I think that's a great point. Is what are the companies that can weather the storm? And I know we've seen uh, a, a lot in the news recently about the uh, the small business loans and uh, additional funding coming out. Uh, you know, Drew, what's your take on where this plan has faltered and and what improvements can be made, or, or your, your overall general thoughts on it? Well, it's been a total gong show, right? Uh, we recently <laughs> saw the loss. The what? The Lakers. The Lakers took. How much did the Lakers take? Uh, the the Lakers received. They they to their to their fault. They they or to their credit, they did pay back the four point six million uh, that they received from this plan. Uh, and I think that they might be one of the most valuable franchises worth billions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> no, they clearly, don't fall under the mom and pop like organization. Uh, I mean, and then you saw small business does not seem just small business does not seem like a title I would give the Los Angeles Lakers. No, no, <laughs> nor, nor Shake Shack for, for that matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of these were public companies, you know, and they have access to capital markets. So uh, Shake Shack did return their 10 million. They got through that PPP and then they, they sold, you know, $150 million in the new shares. So, I mean, these, these, these companies can, find ways to raise capital as is so yeah i mean they're really gonna have to do quite a bit more auditing um I, i've seen that there's gonna be auditing in in, in place um I, I forget what but but depending on on size and, and revenue um i think the process is gonna take a little bit longer um you know i think they were giving money immediately just to stop the bleeding but i think now that there's going to be a lot more guidance in terms of um, the, these these SBA loans, but yeah, the whole thing just seemed kind of really. There was a good thought behind it, and then people saw free money and, and took advantage of it, right? I mean, we saw over 200 publicly traded companies disclose that they had received more than 750 million in bailout loans. Um, as you mentioned, I, I, that doesn't really qualify as a, as a small business to me. Uh, as you mentioned, the Lakers received one that they paid it back. It, uh, also, one thing that, that really uh, rubbed me the wrong way is, is you know, who, who is supervising all of these loans? If we're talking about a first come, first serve basis, we saw 
the banks who also receives fees for all of these applications and everything, they're the ones who are who are determining who gets access to the money and not. And uh, I, I, I believe it was J.P. Morgan. Uh, you know, they they their bankers were helping submit applications for some of their top clients. Uh, well, if you didn't draw down your line of credit in the last say two or three months, uh, then you you got rejected. So. Um, it was really at the discretion of, of the banks for, for a lot of these who would receive loans. And I think that the, the Small Business Administration should really uh, take a look at each one of these loans. And um, we saw that they come out and they have until May 7th for companies to, to pay back unneeded loans without penalties. And, and some may see them, but uh, there, there really was no strict guidelines. Uh, and then also we saw with the additional $310 billion that were, were uh, approved for this week, we saw that the computer system crashed within the first few minutes and then crashed throughout the days uh, yesterday. So uh, just overall, I, I feel like the plan that we, with good intention has really faltered. Yeah, I mean, to look at like companies like Ruth Chris's Steakhouse is another one. Um, I, I see why, you know, small business owners are, you know, their feathers are ruffled slightly, um, so to say. Uh, you know, trying to, you know, they, well, they're, frankly, they're, they're pissed. And, um, you know, the lenders like, they, <laughs> to say lightly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's a strong enough word for it, but you know, lenders like JP Morgan Chase and bank of America, you know, that that's been awful in terms of a PR perspective. And, um, you know, I mean, banks already, they have their reputation sullied in, in most recessions, especially the last one. So, we're kind of seeing that same thing from a standpoint of, you know, how people view these larger lending institutions as, as this scenario plays out. But. Well, it's also interesting because yeah, well also some companies who have received the loans from, from the federal government have also been uh, being looked at for accounting fraud and, and just played fines to the SEC and, and the IRS on, on top of other things. And then they uh, re receive a, receive these forgivable loans and pretty much no harm, no foul, because everyone sees it as, as free cash. So again, I think we're going to continue to hear more about this as we move through it. And, and hopefully we see more of these larger public companies begin to, uh, to repay some of these loans as we get closer to uh, May 7th. Yeah. I mean, you know, Chase Business Banking, you know, they, they pretty much did a Q and A trying to, you know, offset some criticism. Um, you know, and they mentioned, you know, uh, there was about 300,000 clients who almost immediately applied for loans. But, you know, at the end of the day, they stated that about half of their PP lo P loans were for less than $100,000. And then more than 60 went to clients who had less than 25 employees. Um, and then 80% of their PPP loans were used for businesses with less than $5 million in revenue. So that's all well and good, but it seems like a lot of major corporations you know, slip through the cracks. So, you know, it's, it's, it's how much of it's, how much did they have and how much of it's PR is, is going to be an interesting, an interesting story, but, um, but yeah, I mean, and the, the, another market we should talk about is, I mean, oil. So plunge yesterday, but, you know, ironically last week there was a major rally. Um, it, Jumped, oil jumped 20% last Thursday uh, because you know, there's uh, continued production cuts, um, heightened tensions between U.S. and Iran. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, yesterday, once again, slumped and, and today it's been muted. So oil has been all over the place. Yeah, the ultimate story here is now that uh, they're with the cratering and demand and uh, continuing supply and now there's running out of places to store it. So now that storage is becoming more scarce and therefore more expensive, there's really no worth in, in buying oil today and, and storing it. So I, I think uh, for the time being and still until we uh, we see an uptick in demand, we're, we're going to have a pretty volatile oil market moving forward. Yeah, I mean, more often than not, I, I maybe la last week was, you know, part of an outlier um, that, that got really into a lot of the geopolitical stuff. I mean, there's, you know, reports of Iranian gun chips that have been harassing U.S. boats. And then, you know, President Trump stated that the U.S. would destroy these Iranian gunboats. Uh, so that was just, uh, you know, this is just fuel in the fire. Right. So just a big pro protracted one day spike. But, you know, that, that, that's been lost in what is an insane news cycle. Um, so what would normally be, I think, on everyone's, you know, front in mind, if, if, if you know, the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary um, this Navy is, is, is taking provocative actions, your, you know, U.S. And, and Coast Guard ships in the Persian Gulf, that'd normally be a much longer news segment, but, but that just gets muted in everything else. So it doesn't have the long-term, you know, price effects it might otherwise. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I think a, a lot of that you don't hear too much about uh, what's going on, especially globally. Everyone's pretty focused on on the U.S. right now, and and also you know their just uh, community and in, in their state. So I, I before you sent over the article about uh, President Trump threatening to just blow the uh, Iranian gunboats out of the water. I, I had not even heard about the increasing tensions over there. Uh, again, you know, is oil prices staying low? It's not good for uh, for American oil producers, and so therefore it it could actually in continue to increase tensions with the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, like, what what would otherwise affect markets and, and just policy in general has just been completely just eviscerated in, in, in this new cycle. I mean, we can even look to, I mean, what's going on in North Korea? I mean, is, is Kim Jong-un on his deathbed? I don't know, but that's, 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 that was a headliner for, you know, all of two and a half minutes. Um, so, you know, he might have <laughs> the world's uh, most eccentric, uh, dictator, I guess that's a good word for him, eccentric. Uh, he might be on his deathbed and we're not even talking about it. So it's, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, I mean, yeah. And, 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 and if he, and if he is not the, the doctor who leaked that, I don't think his, his, he has too many days, his days are numbered <laughs> moving yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah, no leaking. That's not good for your health either in North Korea. So <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just wild. Um, I mean, one company we brought up recently that maybe we should dive into a little bit is Amazon um, because, you know, shares of Amazon have been hitting record highs. And then there's one analyst in particular who was, you know, discussing discussing a path for $4,000 uh, per Amazon stock, uh, you know, and, and you're, if you're trading at well over two Gs, uh, you know, that that's wild. It, might, it also might be... a time of course for a stock split um, we'll see how that plays out but but i mean i yeah 
I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, I think a stock split will definitely uh, could be, could be in the future, especially if it's approaching 4,000 uh, overall, you know, you're continuing to see it, to see it jump. Uh, we also saw that we could see Amazon's valuation reach 2 trillion by 2023. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they've done, very well in the midst of this, you know, their online grocery business. Um, yeah. Right. They could be producing um, 70 billion by 2023, which is three X from 2019. Um, so, so, you know, people kind of derisively or, or, or even just, you know, matter of factively, you know, referring to the USA as United States of Amazon. I mean, that might be even more of the case in a couple of years from now. So, <laughs> so it's, yeah, no, <laughs> Seriously, and I'm I, I'm sure during the uh, quarantine here, I'm I'm sure their Prime membership has has increased. And then also, if uh, once you become a Prime member, I, I'm guilty of this. You end up spending about twice as much uh, as you did before on Amazon compared to to non-members, uh, which makes sense. Now I go to Amazon to pretty much order everything. I know I'm not alone. One thing that we we should monitor, and and and, and I know we will, is uh, Microsoft, Apple, the, the big ones, Amazon, Alphabet, and Facebook now account for more than 20% of the market cap of the S&P 500. Uh, and what we've seen in past crises is that larger tech companies usually come out uh, out stronger from recessions because they're able to sidestep antitrust laws and they're able to purchase bankrupt and, and fail and bankrupt and failing smaller firms. And, and I think that this is this is a case of we should monitor that because I do believe that we will see uh, uh, some spending of uh, of these larger tech companies, the behemoths, because as we've mentioned, they do have cash on hand and, and could continue to expand. And, and Amazon is no different. Uh, as you mentioned, it seemed like that purchase of Whole Foods was was almost pre-planned for this. Yeah. And of course, M&A deals, you know, are down due to the pandemic, but what, what are they going to look like after it? You know, when all the dust has settled, um, what acquisitions could we see? And, and they, they might be very aggressive, especially, you know, when you got the Microsofts and the Apples and the Amazons and the Alphabets and the Facebooks of the world with, with more than 20% of market cap. I mean, how much of it do they gobble up um, from, from startups and from mid-level firms that are, you know, significantly more depleted when this is all, when this is all over? Yeah, I, it, it's a good question. I, I think they're all going to grow, uh, continue because they, as we mentioned before on a couple podcasts, they, they have uh, of the U.S. companies, they are the ones that that do are are sitting on a lot of cash. So I, I can see them going on a little spending spree. Yeah. I mean, especially considering what happens if it's Amazon, uh, who's and Mark Cuban was talking about this, but what happens if they're the ones who are um, delivering the COVID nineteen tests? Uh, you know, so they could very much be at the forefront of, you know, what might be a solution while we're trying to get out of quarantine. So we could be, and we've seen that, uh, that Jeff Bezos himself has stepped into more of, uh, the day-to-day -day role and not just thinking about big pictures. Uh, we saw him <laughs> visiting a warehouse for the first time in a very long time. And, uh, that he's now running the day-to-day. -day. He was helping with the, uh, the deals of the day, tabling those for the time being and uh, what items were essential to ship and everything. So now that he's back at the, at the helm too, I'm sure they're going to continue to, 
to push forward. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that said, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, what's he going to do now that gyms are closed? I mean, that guy got <laughs> beefy real quick, so he's got to get back yeah. to work. <laughs> yeah, right. Talk about a transformation. Uh, <laughs> the things money can do. Uh, you know, that said, we're talking about a larger, uh, a big number of the the U.S. companies, and you know, one thing that we should do is is maybe compare them to the to the Chinese companies. Uh, this is where the the outbreak has has started, and we saw that for the first quarter of 2020, that China uh, recorded their uh, their first contraction in more than four decades. Uh, but one thing that is really interesting to look at is that the peak to trough of the Chinese stock market was only about 16%, which um, compared to the the uh, U.S. stock market was about half because I think our peak to trough was right around uh, 32%, 33% uh, in, in mid-March. Uh, so I'm wondering, Drew, what's your take on, on why the Chinese uh, stock market one did not have that that same drastic drop that we saw, and, and is it because of maybe the way that the the Chinese government has already integrated with a lot of the the companies there? Yeah, so the stimulus has seemed very lackluster compared to a lot of the rest of the world, and that's largely due to the inherent structure of their economy and their companies, right? So Japan's fiscal stimulus is about ten percent of GDP. And when we're looking at China, that's about 3% of, of GDP. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, I mean, let's look at the states, right? So we, we've, we've had massive corporate bailouts. Um, you know, we've earmarked $850 billion for loans for companies. Uh, Britain set, set aside roughly, you know, $400 billion for loan guarantees. And then China just doesn't need, just doesn't need it. Um, as much as, you know, 80% of corporate loans go to state firms, and so a lot of those people are already having these guarantees. So that's, that's one thing is that the structure is very much built into their banking. Uh, the other thing is, you know, when we're looking at China, they have not been frugal when it comes to large scale projects. And we've seen that over several years with the Belt and Road initiatives, um, you know, they've had massive, massive infrastructure spending. So that might be a matter of, they just don't feel like it's it might make might, might make much sense right now during a pandemic, but also it's just uh, not going to be as much of of their growth model as it might have been previously. Whether you know they're they're building you know huge tracks of, of trains and infrastructure projects in Africa, but then they were revitalizing the old you know Silk Road with trains. I mean they built massive cities, some of which are you know quasi vacant so it just might be a matter of they're just not going to spend at levels like we saw in 2009 or, or 2012 or 2016 yeah it's, it's it's just remarkable how how different the structure is compared to to the states uh 80 percent of uh as you mentioned 80 percent of corporate loans go to state firms you know a, a large portion of all Chinese lending is, is by state-owned banks, and that's very different from what we're seeing here in the, in the U.S. And uh, as we've seen with a lot of the Western world's bond markets, we've seen credit spreads really, really jump. Uh, we've seen China really barely widen, which I, which I think shows that uh, they do have that backstop already in place, and it's already built into the market. So overall, you know, you can make an argument that, that China's 
system may be a little bit uh, better for uh, for recessions and, and to help with with uh, big downturns in the market. Uh, but I guess we will we will see moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, is there anything else uh, you're kind of you know we should be looking at? I think I'm looking at what what everyone else is looking at right now is is to continue to see how states' uh, rollout plans may differ compared to to others. Uh, I, I find it interesting to see uh, also following as as companies rec- report their their Q1 earnings to see if if things are are worse or or better than what we have even though we have the the gloomy expectations. Uh, you know, overall, it'd be interesting to see how how Texas does at the at the end of the week. You know, here in Montana, we're currently in phase one, uh, and just really hope that we don't see a, a second jump here, because I think that then we may see a, a, another second dip in the uh, in the markets. What about you, Drew? What are you looking for? Yeah, I mean, we've got. I mean, all eyes should be on. I think what the Fed's going to do from here on out. So. I mean, they're going to have a monetary policy decision, you know, on Wednesday um, afternoon. Uh, We'll be talking about how long interest rates are going to be staying near zero. So I think that's going to be something that's vital for markets to look at uh, because they've just been such a such a major force in 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 rebounding our economy. So what they do from here on out, especially as it relates to rates, is, is going to be very important. Definitely. All right. Well, I think that's it, everybody. So continue to stay safe out there. Um, You know, if you're in states that have opened up, enjoy your newfound freedom. We'll be talking to you next week. (laughs) And we're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthDesk does not make any representation or warranties with respect to accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthDesk does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked in any of the content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.